Grace to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. The gospel lesson for today is quite lengthy. It, it, it could be preached on for weeks and weeks, and I've chosen just two verses from it for this morning. Uh, Luke 2, verses 34 and 35. Listen to these verses once again. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This is the gospel of our Lord. Mary and Joseph and Jesus are in the temple of God in Jerusalem in our text. And that means that they were not bringing Jesus to be circumcised. That had already happened. Uh, that happened when Jesus was just a week old as the law dictated. But it could not be done in the temple because Mary needed to be purified of her sin and she was not allowed anywhere near the temple or rather allowed to come into the temple I should be correct with what I say. Um, until the time of purification had gone by, which was 33 days. That's 32 days, the way that we count time, because we start with the, with the, with, with, if I say six days from now, tomorrow is day one, not today. And that's, they started with today. And so um, by our calendar, Mary would be purified um, a month and a day after the birth of the baby boy. Now that wasn't the case when girls were born. For whatever reason, and I'm not going to dwell on this too much, but um, girls uh, were given twice the number of days before a mom could come into the temple to do their purification. And I don't know if that was to give the mom an extra rest or because, you know, whenever a baby is born, there is a little bit of blood. And the mom had to heal from that. It takes a while to heal. Even if you have an owie or something, it takes time to heal. And God gave that time to the mother to heal. And then she was to bring these sacrifices, these offerings. But because I don't know why it's twice as long for a girl, I want to be honest with you and just say, I don't know. Uh, maybe that's something that Israel just had to say, God, you have a reason for doing that. We just accept that, and sometimes that's the case, isn't it? Well, the sacrifice for any baby, and the sacrifice here for the firstborn, was a lamb for a burnt offering and a dove or a pigeon for a sin offering. And the purpose of those two offerings is not exactly clear by those names. These were standard offerings that were given for sometimes other reasons, and in this case, it isn't exactly explained well, but the burnt offering was a, a voluntary act of worship. It wasn't really spontaneous because it was dictated what it should be, but it was voluntary. Bring this in, and the worshiper then would be um, uh, signifying that they were surrendering completely to God. Whatever they did for a living, a carpenter, painter, teacher, doctor, lawyer, nurse, whatever it was, they were going to do it for the rest of their lives to the glory of God. That's what this kind of an offering reminded the worshiper of and also proclaimed it to God. The second offering, the smaller one, was just a dove or a pigeon. And, and this cleansed the worshiper from 
things like unintentional sins, oops, kind of sins, and also brought atonement for the mother as she is now cleansed of a little bit of blood and so forth. This was to be a confession of sin and to declare the absolution of that sin, the forgiveness of sin. And for those who couldn't afford uh, the yearling lamb for the burnt offering, they would be allowed to bring just a second dove or pigeon as the, as the burnt offering as well. And since Mary and, jo and I think that was allowed for travelers as well. So uh, while Mary and Joseph had traveled 100 miles from Nazareth down to Bethlehem, uh, I think we can say with confidence that they would have brought two doves, maybe that they purchased there at the temple for the price, but they brought that for the purification of Jesus and of Mary. And while they were there in the temple, this man came up to them, Simeon, and who blessed them. Now, blessing someone is a, is a wonderful thing to do. We bless the name of God. We bless each other. Um, there's a tradition in our culture of blessing someone when they sneeze, but we also bless each other when we see them. Hello, how are you? God bless you. Have a good day and things like that. It's a wonderful greeting or a good night that you say to somebody, may God bless you and keep you. But here Simeon says it to the mother of Jesus and to Jesus, the Son of God himself. And when you consider how many parents were bringing babies in for purification in Israel, it's remarkable that Simeon knew who this couple was. We kind of think in the, of the temple, don't we, in terms of Jesus and the temple and his relationship. But there would have been moms bringing in their baby girls and their baby boys all the time. I think every day of the year, maybe not the great day of atonement, the priest might have said, you don't come back tomorrow, but maybe they didn't. But all the time, there were babies coming in for these sacrifices. And how did Simeon know that this was the Savior? That that teenage girl and that older husband probably were, the, the, were she's the mother of Jesus. Well, Luke tells us that the Holy Spirit told him, moved him to do this, had given him a special insight into who this would be. And so Simeon came and blessed them. And another person, an elderly woman, a prophetess named Anna, came in and attested to this too. Both of them proclaimed Jesus to be the Savior, the anointed Christ. And so we have two witnesses for the benefit of Mary and Joseph, two witnesses who knew who this Savior was, and what this Savior would do for mankind. Simeon blessed them and blessed their baby, and by doing this, he gave God glory, and he gave glory to Jesus and honored him, which is something that the world didn't do. And this is, this is the baby who would be despised and rejected by men, and, even, and maybe even most by his own people by his own race. But after Simeon had blessed Mary and Joseph and the baby, he turned aside to Mary. This isn't clear, um, maybe your first couple readings of the text, but as you read this and you see him talking to the whole family, blessing the whole family, then kind of turning aside with Mary, you realize he began to say things to her that were just for her. Things about her baby, but we're, and about her, but not about Joseph. Now we understand this to be at least a hint 
to help us understand the detail that Joseph, we think, died sometime during Jesus' childhood. Joseph is not there later when Jesus begins his ministry. Joseph is not there when Jesus' family comes to Jesus when he's preaching. Joseph is not there at the cross when Jesus has to give the care of his mother over to one of his disciples because the family, the, his brothers, did not yet believe in him and because Mary, Jesus wanted to be taken care of, and he, the oldest son, would no longer be able to do this. He does this from the cross. Woman, behold your son. Man, behold your mother. And um, we see happening in these verses, in this chapter, between verse 21 and verse 51, we see Mary go from a virgin girl to a married mother to a widow, and because there's no one to take care for, of her, virtually an orphan, in just 30 verses of this chapter. But God provided special care for widows and for orphans, and he wants us to take care of each other, especially those who have no husband any longer or no parents any longer, widows and orphans, and God entrusts them to our care as well. Well, Simeon prophesied that Jesus would, call, would cause rather the rising and the falling of many in Israel. The rising of many and the falling of many. We see the many coming to faith. Oh, in times especially like the baptism that John was performing and people were thronging out to come and see the forerunner of the Lord and saw Jesus baptized as well. We see this when Jesus performs miracles like the feeding of the 5,000 driving out demons, the feeding of the 4,000, when Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain and, and at other times. But the way that Jesus would also cause the falling of many is as a sign, Simeon says, a sign that would be spoken against. Some of the people of Israel, like, like the Apostle Paul before he came to faith, were, uh, were people who rejected Christ, who stumbled and fell over the gospel, refusing to believe in Jesus. Paul uh, still even persecuted the church, even causing the death of Stephen, the first Christian martyr, until Jesus finally appeared to him on the road to Damascus. Saul, why are you persecuting? He said. And he softened up Paul's heart and, and crushed the sinful arrogance in his refusal to believe, and he brought him to faith. But not all of the people of Israel uh, uh, fell and then rose again. Some of them uh, attached themselves to Jesus right away and then began to fall away, like Judas Iscariot. They fell away because Jesus' teaching and preaching wasn't exactly what, what they had expected. These were men and women who thought that the gospel would bring them prosperity and, and wealth and, and victory and and, and maybe prestige in Israel. These were men and women who thought that the gospel uh, shouldn't look the way that it looked with Jesus. And there are many Christians today who think the same thing. These are people who don't want to talk about sin, who don't want to talk about the will of God and obeying the will of God. People who, talk, who don't want to talk about the possibility of there being a hell. But you know, the ostrich doesn't 
make the lion go away by pretending that the lion's not there. And by pretending that there's no sin and therefore no savior from sin and, and no possibility of hell, that doesn't make our sins and hell go away and disappear. But you know, there is nothing but eternal punishment for those who reject Jesus, who deny the possibility of sin, and who turn away even from the idea of there being eternal punishment in hell. A third group who fell away from Jesus are those who never even rose to faith at all. Paul says about them, they did not know the righteousness that comes from God, and they sought to establish their own that is, their own righteousness, and they did not submit to God's righteousness. Now, for those who are still living, there is still hope for them, but not the way that the world thinks. The only hope for those who have rejected Christ is to hear the message of Christ and to come to faith and trust in Christ. It is a tragedy of our time that more and more people are beginning to say about, for example, Israel or others who are outside of the Christian church that they can maybe be saved and have a place in heaven apart from faith in Christ. But Jesus himself said, no one comes to the Father except through me. Was he mistaken? Was he lying? Was he only talking to some when he said, no one? Anyone who thinks that by looking for a Savior apart from Jesus, they might find a place in heaven, they, they couldn't be more wrong. It is impossible to be welcomed into the presence of the Father by hating the Son who is sitting at the Father's right hand. It is impossible to be granted access to the Father in His grace by rejecting the grace that comes only through Jesus. It is impossible to overcome the guilt of our sin apart from the one who was crucified to atone for our sin. And it is this crucifixion that Simeon hints about to Mary even now, when she is holding her month-old baby Jesus in her arms among the, the marble and stone columns and pillars of the temple, Simeon said, a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now, I know that Jesus was not killed by a sword. Simeon, in some way, is speaking figuratively, maybe of the Roman soldiers who were being wielded like a sword by the chief priest of the Jews. But I think more likely this is simply a regular, ordinary turn of phrase in, uh, among the Hebrews, the way we would say, uh, your heart is broken. A sword will pierce your heart, your soul as well. When we say your heart is broken, we know that your heart isn't actually broken. It's still working as an organ inside of your body, pumping blood and so forth. But we know that uh, 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 we have a terrible grief, that our feelings, our emotions can be torn apart and lie on the floor tattered and in rags because of something tragic that happens. And here... The same cross of Jesus that brought us consolation is the sign that is spoken against, Simeon says, that causes the rising and falling of many in Israel. It's the same cross that would bring Mary 
such terrible sorrow and grief and a broken heart. For while we see our Savior on the cross, and, and we're at the same time sad and sorry, but glad and thankful that it happened because that's how our sins are taken away. What does Mary see? Mary sees her child up there. Mary sees her baby dying. Mary sees her son, her firstborn son, up there on the cross. And why? For the sins of the world. And as she says, for her sins too. And that's what breaks her heart. Simeon went on to say, the thoughts of many in Israel will be revealed. What thoughts are revealed in you when we think about Jesus? Well, we think, I'm so glad. I'm so happy that Jesus came to rescue me from my sinfulness, that, that he gave up his life to atone for my sinful life. I'm sorry, I'm sad that it happened, but I'm also glad that it happened because that's the only path to everlasting life. Don't be misled by those who talk about any path apart from Jesus. Don't be deceived by the devil who hates you, the devil who wants you to think that it doesn't matter uh, about, uh, for the sake of your soul uh, that, that you have sins, that your sins don't matter to God. Of course they matter. If our sins don't matter to God, then what did Jesus die for? If our sins don't matter to God, what sword pierced Mary's heart and soul and broke her heart? No, our sins do matter. They are troubling to us. They terrify us. But we confess our sins. We admit them to God. And we're so delighted that he says he has forgiven them. That he has taken them and thrown them away. So Jesus redeemed us. And we look to Jesus, to Jesus Christ, to Jesus Christ, our Lord alone, for forgiveness and grace and peace. In Israel, all the firstborn were redeemed by a lamb and a dove. Jesus himself was born under the law and although he was sinless, he needed to be redeemed and was redeemed in this same way. A lamb, in this case a substitute, a dove and a dove. So his parents kept the law required of them on his behalf. So Jesus was redeemed. But he, the Lamb of God, was the substitute who redeemed us as well. And he, our Savior, our Redeemer sends the dove of the Holy Spirit into our hearts to give us faith, sustain us in our faith, and to guide us in our daily lives. Jesus took us, the fallen, and raised us up for life today that walks according to the will of God, that, 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 that asks the Holy Spirit, begs the Holy Spirit to help us turn away from sin, to guide our path away from temptation and to lead us in a way that pleases God. And he has also given us life forever in heaven, eternal life in which we will praise and glorify God as Simeon did in the temple. This is the purification of Jesus who purified us all. Amen.
And the peace of God that transcends our understanding guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. At this time, we normally give our offerings, and there are, of course, offering baskets. We also, uh, you can offer online, or you can bring something into the church. But as we're thinking about what we give to Jesus, I want to turn the, our thoughts for a moment to our psalm for today, which we did not read earlier, but it's a, it's a short psalm, Psalm 111. And two of the verses are, The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for all those who fear him. And in the Hebrew text of Psalm 111, the word for food there that the Lord provides is the Hebrew word teraph, which means pray. It's what the lioness tears off of the animal and brings and drops down in front of her little cubs so they will have everything that they need. And God our Father provides for us in that way, dropping everything down for us so that we will have everything that we need. And so when we respond to him with our gifts, with our, our, the way that we treat each other, the way that we treat the needy people in our community and the way that we give to the Lord, we remember that everything that we do, we do out of thanks to Jesus for everything he has done.